Welcome to Media Path. I am Louise Palenker. And I'm Fritz Coleman. It's a Media Path first. Back-to-back Craig's. Last week, we welcomed Craig Shoemaker. Today, Craig Kilborn. And we've got a deep Craig bench since Fritz and I both have brothers named Craig. In addition to bringing you the finest in Craig's, we also have stellar media picks to suggest and guests with their own media paths to explore. Craig Kilborns is especially grand and scenic. He is a pioneer in the arena of smart, sharp, snarky hosting. He comes to us with a rich resume in late night and sports hosting, and his newest podcast offering is called Life Gorgeous. Craig will join us very soon. But first, Fritz, we have some stuff that we need to discuss and celebrate. Well, you know how embarrassed I am for shameless self-promotion, but here we go. No, not really. We're so excited about how our YouTube presence has been expanding every week, thanks to everyone who watches and enjoys the show on that platform. And if you're seeing this now, you can do a couple of very simple things that would make a very big difference to us, like hit the thumbs up, leave a comment, and of course, if you enjoy the content, subscribe, following the example of this commenter on our interview with TV writer Ken Levine. This is at Von Losberg. Great interview. He wrote so many of my favorite television shows. I sure hope he gets paid for everything. Really thrilled to find this podcast. I'm sure he does. I subscribed. Looking forward to more. The writers are everything. And here's some comments on our interview with Paul Rock and Rob Loffer about the symphony Unforgettable Sunrise, composed by Paul's nonverbal son, Jacob, in collaboration with Rob, and in which Wheezy attended this past weekend and was blown away. She's going to tell us more about it in just a second. This is at Penny Barnett 1222. I love that Paul, whom I adore, is sharing Jacob's glorious brilliance with Louise and Fritz, whom I adore. And at SJAKA70 Stevie. What a beautiful show. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. This is a wonderful thank you, Paul and Rob. The world I hug with possibilities or the world is huge with possibilities. I can't read this. Um, I am thrilled you're able to perform this wonderful work. Love, Stevie. Thank you to all of our Media Path partners. We just love you so much. And by leaving us a comment on YouTube or Apple Podcast Review, you can really, you, you can bump up our tax bracket, and we would just appreciate you so much. I love the hug with possibility. I, I'd leave it there. Is that what it was? No, it was probably huge, but I. either way, I'm delighted. Okay, uh, so I went to Jacob's concert and uh, brought... Uh, husband, sister, cousin. So we were there uh, and it was absolutely... You need to set the stage because nowhere did we mention exactly what Jacob's challenge is. Okay, so Jacob is a 19-year-old nonverbal autistic boy who has written a symphony and his friend Rob Laufer helped him compose it and bring it to life. It was performed Saturday night by the orchestra at uh, USC's Thornton School of Music. These are all, those are all young people that you're seeing on the screen if you're home. If you're driving, please pull over before you look at the screen. And uh, Jacob's music is stunning. It is glorious. The USC Thornton School of Music student orchestra was magnificent. And the Alex Theater was a symphony of emotion rising up to embrace Jacob, Rob Laufer, Paul Rock, and their collective accomplishment. It was quite a joy to witness and to take part. Congratulations to Team Jacob. Fantastic. I'm so glad you got to see that. I love the Alex Theater. And you stayed at home or you went to the movie theater, correct? I did go to the movies. I I went and saw Haunting in Venice. This is another one of the Agatha Christie, Kenneth Branagh combinations. He directed and takes the lead as Hercule Poirot. 
mm. as he's done in a bunch of her pictures. The story is based on the Agatha Christie story entitled Halloween Story. It's a murder mystery staged in an alleged haunted house in Venice, Italy. It's the classic Christie setup. A bunch of people end up in a common place. One, two, three people die. Everybody's a suspect. Poirot is invited to this mysterious place to investigate the drowning of a young woman who at first is thought to have committed suicide. There are lots of red herrings, dark lighting, false starts, missed clues. In the end, Poirot is the forensic genius, as he always is, and he ties the whole thing together. Now, there's some nice surprises in this one, like Tina Fey. In an interesting, out-of-character role, she plays a novelist and a longtime friend of Poirot who sort of helps him solve the cases. You always wait for a snarky aside from Tina. It never happens because that's not her role, but her face always looks like she wants to fire one off. She's (laughs) a lot of fun to watch. The revelation in this movie, though, is Jude Hill. If you saw Kenneth Branagh's wonderful (laughs) Belfast last year, he was the leading young boy in it. His acting is spooky and brilliant it's a role reversal for a little boy who is responsible for the welfare of his unstable father nobody spins complicated plots better than agatha christie it was a lot of fun i enjoyed it well i i love a dark movie but what's important is is if it's too dark to see the popcorn were you able to no no i no it's it's darkly lit almost as but not as beautifully lit as craig's podcasting studio we'll talk about oh that oh my gosh as soon as i talk about torn we're going to get to craig's set okay, set design go. it's a zoom i would say 10 out of 10 in room raider this is what i'm going to talk about it's a documentary called torn you'll find it on hulu on october 5th 1999 legendary climber alex Lowe was lost to an avalanche in the tibetan mountains alongside fellow climber david bridges a lone survivor was alex's best friend mountaineer conrad anchor In the devastating wake of the tragedy, Conrad and Alex's widow, Jennifer, reached out for one another and found comfort and connection. Alex and Jennifer's three young sons grew to love Conrad as a father, while grappling with their own feelings of loss and guilt as they strove to rebuild their childhoods and grow into men. Torn is a film by Max Lowe, the son of Jennifer, Alex, and Conrad, who is now a photographer, filmmaker, and a National Geographic explorer. Using never-before-released archival footage of the ill-fated 1999 expedition, early footage of Alex and Conrad as young climbers, personal home videos, and strikingly candid interviews with his mom, his brothers, and Conrad, the film tells a story of a unique family processing the coexisting truths that their dad and husband adored them but needed to dangerously challenge his own capacity to safely return home to them. When Alex's frozen body is discovered in Tibet, Max takes on his most treacherous exploration into the layers of his family's intricate relationships in the wake of his father's death. You feel the trepidation within his brothers, fearful to rock the foundation of bonds which have settled at long last. We learn, however, that examining what we've lost need not threaten what we have. It may just lead to a better understanding of who we are. I'm so glad you talked me into watching this. Yay. It was breathtaking. I was prepared to not like Alex, the guy that died, because he was addicted uh, to extreme mountain climbing while he had three young children at home, and I just thought it was an irresponsible activity. And he also, not only was it dangerous, he just wasn't giving them enough time. But that's really not the story. After he dies in the avalanche, the love story that develops between his best friend, who was with him when he died, and his widow, and ultimately his children, was 
the power and survival of love in the human spirit. In an odd way, Conrad, who was the best friend, ended up marrying his best friend's widow. It turned out to be an even more attentive father than Alex was when he was alive. The couple was chastised for falling in love too soon after Alex's death, but the widow slash mother of three was living the credo that I love. Life is for the living. It was so touching. It was really, really wonderful. And so well done by Max. Kudos. I'm going to introduce our guest. Please do. Craig Kilborn developed his very own biting banter persona, beginning as a play-by-play commentator in Monterey and Salinas, California, and then at Sports Center, where his snarky, edgy take became all the rage in sports and paved the way towards Craig hosting The Daily Show and then The Late Late Show on CBS. Craig brings his unique take and talent to his own podcast called The Craig Kilborn Podcast, colon, The Life Gorgeous, a celebration of Lord Kilby. What should those who aspire to live the life gorgeous understand and put into practice, Craig? Nice to see you guys. Can I can I ask a question? Was I on at all, or am I on right now? Did no, you're you on see right. Me? This is you're just being revealed to the public right now. Thank you so much. You're luminescent. And and, and repeat the repeat the last question. I just <laughs> oh. wanted to hear it. I want to not know. the whole thing, just the end. Well, if if folks want to live the life gorgeous. What should they, how, what practices should they put into motion? Well, there's a long list, but mm-hmm. one of the first things I say is to the young people, especially mm-hmm. drink in moderation. Okay. I have great respect for people who are s- sober and don't drink. And I have friends that are clean and sober and I drink a little bit, but it's cut way down. And I have one martini a week. Uh, I also enjoy French restaurants. I also tell people I enjoy my own music, uh, Bill Evans in the morning, and you need to listen to what moves you. So it's music, it's creativity, it's good, it's fine dining. I also do a lot of hiking. It's a long list of things that are life gorgeous. I think the main thing is uh, when I worked in late night, I worked with some malcontents and there's some bitterness (laughs) in the world. And I say, Breathe out the bitterness and stay positive. That's a big part of the life gorgeous. Well, you do have a PowerPoint uh, by way of your Instagram. Can we pull that up, Chris? So maybe you can, we can highlight some moments in a life gorgeous. Oh, look at this. Yeah. You guys are, you guys are talented. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so there, what are we looking at here? Buddy? So, so select one, Craig, for us to, uh, uh, well, go to the boat one because I've never I don't go on boats, but I was uh, back in Minnesota Uh-oh, he's... and uh, I uh, I don't go. I grew up in Minnesota in the Midwest. My dad took a transfer from New Jersey and I uh, I went back recently for the Minnesota State Fair and to watch a Vikings game. And a friend of mine, Ryan Tanky, took me out on Lake Minnetonka. Lake Minnetonka apparently is the largest inland lake in the United States of America. So I was on a boat and I don't know, you got to read the captions. It's all silliness on my Instagram. I mean, it's it's irreverent. Some of it's inspirational, I guess, but I do need to say one thing. I need to say something to Mr. Fritz because Mm -hmm. we've never met and I've I've always admired your work. And uh, years ago, I was supposed to say hi to you if I ever ran into you, and now I'm running into you, from Paul Miller and Kirstie Wilde. Oh, my goodness. They say So you must still live in the Carmel area. Is that where you are right now? No, I'm in in Los Angeles, but Carmel is where I lived for three years, and Paul Miller and Kirstie Wilde, who are no longer married, but they're still my friends, 
uh, they live up there, and they gave me my start in Salinas, Santa Cruz, Monterey, and I was the sports guy. Kirsty was the news anchor, and and Paul was the news director, and they were very supportive of me. And in fact, when I went, I went to ESPN. Was that your first television the, job? Yeah, it was my first TV job. Wow. I mean, I did some. I had a tape because I I interned in Minneapolis, uh, for at the NBC affiliate. And I got a tape together, and I did a little weekend a couple of times up in Santa Rosa, California. So I had a tape. I sent it to Paul Miller. I drove up there, and I met Kirsty, and she goes, I told Paul, just hire a sports guy. We got all these sports tapes. So everyone wants to do sports. So they don't want to do news. But they were, uh, they're still my friends. They're the greatest. They're lovely people, and I'll just give people a history. Uh, Kirsty was an anchor at uh, Channel 4, I think the 4 and 6 o'clock news where I worked for 40 years, and her husband was, uh, I don't know if he was a cameraman or a producer up he in the He was network. a producer. He was the bureau chief for uh, Brokaw's uh, yeah. NBC Nightly News. Yeah, the West he, Coast Bureau. Yeah, he was the LA. Yeah. He was in the LA uh, So they were market. both brilliant in different ways, and they went to Carmel, Salinas, Monterey area, and they and Paul because he's he's got this dark brilliance. It's almost he's almost Aspergery. He 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 researched property rights in the Central Coast and right. found out there was a loophole in some <laughs> coastal property there. And he yep. and Kirsty bought like five areas of property and returned turned them into uh, residences. Am I right about this? Yeah, they they told me they made more money in real estate than they did in television. Absolutely, and was paid handsomely. And uh, I don't know. Do you, I, am I going to break some news here for you? You know what Paul does now, right? No. Oh, it's great. If he owns the newspaper, the Carmel Pinecone, oh, no, he writes I an editorial that. every week. I did know that they bought yeah. the newspaper up there. That, yeah. That's a fantastic. Well, I, that's a great connection. And if you talk to him, say hello. I love her to death. Yeah. Oh, what are his editorials? What do they tend to focus on? Oh, all, you know, water rights and mm -hmm. all this stuff, and some of the political stuff. Paul is political. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a he's a political guy. Um, he he told me. So when I grew up, I was not into politics. My dad, you know, was a conservative, but he didn't push politics on me. He was. Um, he was very funny, like Steve Allen or Johnny Carson. Mm -hmm. My my dad was very clever. So my childhood was basketball and comedy. And I purposely avoided politics until I got a little older. But I'm private about it, where I was raised not to talk politics. But Paul Miller was great. He said he grew up, uh, He was he's now a conservative, and he was a Democrat, he told me. He said he marched for George McGovern. And then he went, uh, because of his job as a producer, for NBC News, he went to Beirut at some point, and he said everything I learned about America was was wrong, and I'm now a conservative. Wow. So to answer your question, he writes some columns up there, and I said, "Hey, what do the people up here think?" Because you're in California, he goes, "A lot of conservatives up here in Pebble Beach, so they like my, yeah, yeah, they, they have like the money, so they're very conservative." Yeah, yeah, in Carmel, they name their homes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, they all have names. So, you know, they're snooty. And there's one men's shop that I, I whoever does the set, the set design or the window, whoever the Rhoda Morgenstern is of that store, <laughs> I just want to embrace because the, 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 
the plaids that they put together. You know what I'm talking about, Craig, right? <laughs> oh, yes. So oh, please, yeah. you, you, you're you better with words than I am. Please describe this. I don't this. know if it's the Talbot store because they have a ta- <laughs> they had a Talbot store up there. But no, it's a it's a fairy tale little village called Carmel by the oh, Sea. God, I love that place I so recommend, much. I tell people, where people go, I'm going, where should I go? And I tell them Les Gargot is my favorite restaurant. It's where the locals go. It's uh, it's my friend who owns it. It's a French restaurant. And there are all these different places. But I live there three years, and I go up there for my birthday every year, and it's, it's my favorite ah, place. I just love it. I, the last time I went there was for the Monterey Blues Festival, which oh. was on the grounds of the Pop Festival and the Jazz Festival. Yes. And I saw, yeah. you know... Uh, uh, John Lee Hooker and all these amazing uh, blues players. But what I loved about the town, and I said, how have they been able to protect this little village? And they said, well, that's what it is. They're very protectionist. You'll notice that there are no chain stores in the town of Carmel. For instance, the coffee shop is family-owned and small. Yep. Restaurants yeah. are family-owned and small. They've just the, the politics of the town is to protect that little environment. It's a storybook it's, town. It's really, really yep. is. It's wonderful. So, Paul, uh, your name's Craig, correct? Yeah. Do I have that right? Okay. Your Wikipedia page states that you had developed a specific aristocratic comedic sensibility that didn't mesh with late night. So, first, what is it? What's an aristocratic comedic sensibility? And second, does it mesh better with podcasting? Uh, good question. I don't deconstruct fully my comedic sensibility, but I'll tell you this. I got bored with late night. I obviously it was a career goal and I reached it. And I know it surprises people that I walked away, but it was a lot of pop culture jokes, which I don't care about. We back then it was Paris Hilton. Now it's Kardashian. Little too much politics, which I don't. I'm an independent just to let people know. That's really all I say is I'm a glorious independent Mm -hmm. or apolitical. But um, my favorite sitcom. Can you guys want to guess my favorite sitcom of all time? And I can tell you, when I was doing the show, I didn't watch it because I was so busy. So when I was working, I missed, I didn't watch Seinfeld. I didn't watch the one I'm asking you to guess. Newhart. All I would watch as an outlet was like professional sport. I'd watch the NBA to re- as a release. But then I quit. I, I left late night and then I discovered this show and I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. Dina, Do you have any guesses? Dina guess, what... Dina's guess is Frasier. That's correct. That's correct. Wow, wow Dina, what does nice, she win? Dina. Craig, well, you have you to send smart. her like... Something. 100% Cotton Life Gorgeous T-shirt. Yeah. That's what we send down. But, oh. I, but I, 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 you mentioned it before, and I found that so interesting when you were talking about your overview of late night, or, uh, of the Daily Show after you left it. You had no interest in politics. And that show, ironically, launched America. I mean, there have been studies done that say that the Daily, at least now, after you were there, uh, was the only news people watched during the day. That's where they got 100% of their current events was from the Daily Show. Yeah, I I always felt that I I do watch Bill Maher, but I didn't I didn't get my politics from comedians. And again, I was raised not to talk politics, but I do agree with the moderates. But some of the people I worked with would not be considered moderates. And I thought John Stewart was brilliant, and I do consider him very thoughtful and level-headed, but uh yeah, the the comedians I liked, I can name some of them who I don't want to hear Seinfeld, Conan, uh, uh, Bill Murray. These guys don't talk politics. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to hear. I, I'll listen to them off camera. And sometimes I'll talk to my buddies off camera. 
And uh, but I always tell people I'm the guy that I sometimes joke that I'm the most level headed guy in America concerning politics. My my favorite politician is Barack Obama. I love his temperament, but I also have the proper admiration for Mitt Romney. And of course, I grew up um, a bit of an Anglophile and I learned about a guy named Churchill. I ask <laughs> all my writer friends who are off, obviously liberal, have you seen Gary Oldman in the darkest hour? No, we haven't seen that. Oh yet, my God, right? how can you not see it? Oh, wow. I've it's only seen it three times. times. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah, maybe his best acting. Well, uh, and, and uh, another interesting fact that I just found surprising about The Daily Show is that they didn't hire you first. Like you would think they would find a host and build the show around you. They had everything else in place and then they had to fire, hire the host and that was you. Yeah, it was, it's, it's one of those things where I get, I'm obligated to write a book and, uh, and explain, you know, my thoughts on it. But the network president was a guy named Doug Herzog, who's a very nice guy. And he was a huge fan of mine and he hired me. But he came from MTV, and I think what they did was come up with the show idea, remote control, and then insert the host. Mm -hmm. And and so with me, uh, they it didn't really – I acquiesced and I let the executive producer run the show, but I knew it wasn't done right. But I scored on the air and then got out of there because I wanted to do a traditional Johnny Carson-type network show but what happened was after i left the problems kind of remained and um the executive producer they let go of her and she was she her her favorite host is john stewart the fact that she got to work with her friend but i was told she thought it was her show and it's always the host's show so it was a little it was bizarre and a couple of years ago when I joined Instagram 2018, Doug Herzog reached out and wanted to catch up and I wanted to clear the air, but he, he just said, Hey, I, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't want to clear the air. He was like, Hey, it was a funny show. Who cares? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I said, okay, fine. So, but it was, uh, it was done the wrong way and these things happen. Uh, and that's the way life is, you know, and I'm glad I got out of there uh, to do the CBS show, which I did five years. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the start of your life because your mom was having contractions. No, yeah. uh, <laughs> no, uh, uh, but 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 you know your sports sensibility grew into your talk show sensibility, and it was all a, a branch. But by the time you were five year old, uh, the 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 legend is that you were already six foot four. <laughs> you were very young. You were growing up in Hastings, Minnesota, and you were recruited to the Northside Magicians, which was an yeah. all-star basketball team. You were all-state, all-conference. You got a scholarship to Montana State University. You admitted that you led the Big Sky Conference in turnovers, which is, that's quite, is there a plaque for that? That's pretty <laughs> But anyway, I, but basketball and sports and your height were a huge part of your early life. Talk about getting started. Well, I had my growth spurt in uh, the summer before sixth grade. Oh boy! So I was five foot three in fifth grade, and then five nine in sixth grade. Yikes. And then by the time I was a freshman in high school, in ninth grade, I was six foot four, and then I became six five. My my mom was five nine. My dad was uh, six two and a half. But I'll tell you something interesting. Uh, I, I I say my favorite late night host is Johnny Carson. 
followed by Letterman. But for pure comedy, I think Conan is the funniest guy. And there, he said he was a he was tall as a kid, but very awkward. Well, I was tall, but I was extremely coordinated. So I mean, I can't I couldn't help it. I was I took the basketball. I, I my dad wanted us to play baseball, but I couldn't throw a baseball very well. But I was just coordinated dribbling and driving and scoring and blah, blah and passing and Larry Bird, you know, so uh, basketball was important to me. But um, I knew I I knew I couldn't uh, play in the NBA. And I wanted to secretly do either a sitcom or a talk show. When I was in college, there was a show called Cheers. And uh, mm -hmm. I said, well, you know, there's only one Johnny Carson. So maybe it'll have to be a sitcom because there are a whole bunch of people doing sitcoms and there aren't too many doing late night. But, um, you know, it worked out that I did late night. So you're you're tall, you're coordinated, you're handsome. How are you funny? <laughs> From your dad. I've been told, let, let me give you a couple. I'll give you a couple. I've been told I was irreverent. Um I uh, here these are the ones that people have, have described me the anti-nerd uh, I was told I was the anti-neurotic uh, a witty charming Norman Vincent Peale <laughs> Cary Grant with a jump shot uh, <laughs> the, these are the ones I've heard but uh, no, well, what I was like the wordplay. what was the adversity that you know that you had to push against using your biting cutting wit I don't know if there was adversity um, I mean I was just a smart aleck my dad did good-natured ribbing mm. and and you know my dad was very funny he loved me i could say he was also negative uh everyone in our family could sing my mom taught piano lessons she was also a school teacher i i would make a joyful noise and when i did my dad would say you can't oh my god that's awful because i was off key and my mom would protect me but i said mom he's right i i sing off key and i would i could sing with my brother but you know, when I got the job, when I jumped from uh, Monterey, California to ESPN, I called my dad and he said, great, now you become a national embarrassment to the family, son. <laughs> oh. So he was, he always made fun of me. I mean, he loved <laughs> with, me, though. With love. So you probably I, had to I, laugh I, yeah. at that. Right. Yeah. But you had to come back with something. And what was it okay to tease your dad about without really going, stepping over the line? Uh, I don't remember. I I don't remember my specific comebacks to my dad, but but I maybe, I mean, he uh, he was a he worked at an insurance company, the St. Paul companies. He worked in the human relations department. He was vice president of the St. Paul company, and you know he had he played piano by ear. He he acted in high school and even out of uh, in college and out of college. He he was part of the Florham Park Players in Florham Park, New Jersey. So uh, maybe I made fun of um, um, his job, uh, but he was he was very supportive of me, and uh, I don't remember I, I don't remember all my clever jokes. I do know that um, I enjoyed wordplay because I read Sports Illustrated, and these guys would turn a phrase, and uh, there was this guy named Alistair Cook. He was a oh, British journalist, and he said, "I hear the best writers in America write for Sports Illustrated." And uh, that I think it all starts with writing, and uh, that that's how it's just. It, a joy it sounds to, to me like you and I have similar uh, father dynamics. My father was very funny. He was a, he was a he was a very dry wit, 
And he was the guy, he would have been a good talk show host because he didn't have to dominate the room. He would listen and listen and listen. And then when there was just a hesitation in everybody else's superficial conversation, <laughs> my father would lay a line out that would blow the roof off the place. Right. He just was able yeah. to pick his moment. And the other part of the dynamic was that my mother was a fantastic audience. Add to, <laughs> add to that that I'm an only child. So I, my, my career was set for me before I even got started. Well, I was the youngest of, of three and I was spoiled. And uh, so I wasn't an only child. But you, you just said something about your mother. So my mom was a school teacher, but she was the she was an audience. And she said, you know, Craig, some of us, some people have to be up on stage, but I don't mind being in the audience. <laughs> and there's a part of me that's like that, where, you know, I enjoyed uh, watching Bill Murray on Letterman and and uh, sometimes I thought those were Bill's best performances as a guest on Letterman. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was uh, comedy is is uh, it's funny because it it means so much to me. I'll always be funny. I have my writer friends. They write for Family Guy. We we joke around a lot. But one of my jokes now is I don't watch a lot of comedy. I watch a lot of espionage. So I obviously like Daniel Craig and Bond, but I, I, I'll just rattle off some. I watch old movies, too, like Three Days of the Condor with Robert Redford is something Absolutely. I'll watch over and over again. There was something uh, I really liked, a, a, a series called uh, The Night Manager. It was a John le Carre novel that with, with Hugh Laurie and Tom Hiddleston. And uh, I, I, so I, I say to my friends, I'm not into comedy as much as I used to be. I'm more into just acting superior. Which is, <laughs> Good job. I love is, that. And let me ask you something. So when you went and you took Tom Snyder's place at CBS on the Late Late Show, and the producer of that was something, you know, David Letterman sort of owned the show after him, and you were produced by Worldwide Pants, which was David's company. Did you have any relationship with David, and does it continue today, and how was that? Um. I had, it was, there were some phone calls. I, I you know, he, we know, we kind of know how he is. <clears throat> so he called after the first show and congratulated me. And then there were a couple other calls just to see checking in on how things are doing. Um, but he was, <laughs> he was pretty busy competing with Leno. Yeah. So my, my, uh, the guy that I talked to was Rob Burnett, who was started as a comedy writer and I liked him, but, um, you know, I, I surprised them by walking away. So I'm sure that throws them off, but I enjoyed it, you know, and I still, I'm a, I'm a Letterman fan. I mean, if I, there are people that say he didn't like you, did he? Well, he, he's a, he's, you know, kind of a, he was a cranky old man guy. before he was a cranky old man. <laughs> well, yeah. The joke I say is these guys, Leno, after a show, Leno would fly up. This is true. He would. He, he didn't drink. Neither of them drink. Mm -hmm. He would fly up to Vegas and do more jokes after the, taping the Tonight Show. Dave would go in a dark room and feel morose. <laughs> and then I would go to Mastro's and hang out with Dennis Farina and we'd have fun. <laughs> but uh, he was, a, by the way, I, a great I guy. Dennis he used to Farina. hang out at the Improv all the time. And I, I, I Dennis was a friend of Tom. Uh, uh, Dreesen. Tom Dreesen. And I, I would just go to the table, that big round table in the improv, and sit there and listen to these guys talk about oh. Chicago and yeah. real show business. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that Tom Dreesen. Chicago's a great city. I, I do go to the places out here in L.A., the um, Musso and Frank and Dan Tanis, and I have a couple other ones near me. I, I do say on my, my Instagram where I live, but I live in Hancock Park, which is... Uh, 
uh, historic area. I like old architecture. My house was built in 1923. But, um, yeah, I growing up in the Midwest, you dream about coming out to L.A., you know? Oh, Unbelievable. Just, yeah. you, you, your sports casting career took you to KCBA. That was in Salinas, right? That was that uh, Paul Miller hired me. That was yeah, the Paul I Miller. And that's, that's the yep. home of John Steinbeck up in there. That's, that's John Steinbeck territory up there. That's, uh, he wrote Grapes of Wrath at yeah. Cannery Row. Yeah, John Steinbeck. I, I just, and there's this John Steinbeck area. Library right there. So how did the ESPN job happen? Uh, I, I was trying to do some, uh, some comedy sports thing, and I sent a tape to an agent in New York. I can't remember how I found them. I couldn't get an agent in Hollywood. I had come down. I had taken classes at the Improv on Melrose in the late 80s before I got the job. I actually kind of started late. I remember I didn't get the KCBA job up in Monterey until I was 29 years old. Hmm. And then I was there three years, then ESPN three years, Comedy Central three years, then five years at CBS. But I sent a tape to a, an agent, a sports agent in New York. He represented Chris Berman. And I said, I want to do, can you help me? I want to do this. I want to do like a syndicated thing. I don't know. And he said, I don't know, but I'm sending your tape up to ESPN. And they wanted me, they go, you got to come in and audition for Sports Center. They were just starting ESPN 2. But they, I thought they might want me for ESPN 2. And honestly, I wanted to do comedy. I go, I don't want to keep doing sports. I love sports, but I didn't want to do it. But I, it was hard to turn it down. It was too big of a gig, you know? Mm -hmm. So I uh, I did uh, ESPN Sports Center. Can I tell you, I'm gonna, can I tell you a funny please. comedy story yes, from please. ESPN? Mm -hmm. So there was this argument one day in the newsroom. And these young these young guys, they were my age, Carl, Carl Ravitch and Steve Levy, they were anchors. And they thought that Chevy Chase was funnier than Bill Murray. Oh, wow. And so Keith Oberman, Dan Patrick, and I are saying, no, 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 no. Chevy is great, but Bill is the king. Yeah. And then I asked them, I said, uh, do you guys know, uh, you know, Nick Wings, the lounge singer, or Nick Rails, the, <laughs> the lounge singer from Saturday Night Live? And they go, no, we saw him in Caddyshack as, you know, we were as the guy. We didn't see him there. I said, no, no, Bill's the funniest. And then Dan Patrick says, hey, Craig, phone call for you here. Because he, he knew Bill and he had called Bill to tell him about this. And he's, you know, and so I get on the phone and the guy goes, hey, Craig, it's Bill Murray. And first of all, <laughs> I think you're very funny. I'd only been there a few months. Wow. And second of all, thanks for sticking up for me in that argument. Really appreciate that. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very funny. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you see, yeah, yeah, you, if your frame of reference is only Caddyshack, exactly. okay, we can have the conversation, but you need to widen your lens here. Let's go. Yeah. You know, ta exactly. talking about um, uh, local sports, uh, it's funny. I, I think ESPN and Fox Sports changed local sports. I mean, as, yeah. and it started to change after you left. And what happened was, because there were these 24-hour sports services and you were getting the the scores all day long and all night, and you knew all the stats, it sort of lessened the necessity for the local sports anchor, unless you had a huge local team and then you were the homer. You know, you talked about the Rams or whatever. And because now Chris Berman is gone. I mean, I, I, as a, he was a local anchor at WNBC in New York. Those Some stations don't even have local sports guys anymore because yeah, people know. know all the sports before the sports comes on. I know. It's crazy how it's changed.
Hey, I was going to ask you a, a local news question. Yeah. Um, when I was uh, interning in uh, one summer, when I was at Montana, I played college basketball at Montana State or sat the bench, if we want to be specific. But, let's not be specific. <laughs> but I went back to the NBC affiliate, and I, I, that's where I put a tape together. And they were very nice to me. But the, the news anchor was kind of a legend. And uh, his name is Paul Majors. And then Paul oh, no, came Paul out Moyer. here. Paul Moyer. What's that? Paul Moyer. Oh, no, Paul Majors. Majors in he was in Minneapolis. And then he came. I thought you were talking about L.A. My apologies. No, no you're right. You're Paul, a thousand percent right. Yeah, he was. But to, to us, he was like this perfect, you know, universal casting <laughs> news anchor. <laughs> he was good looking and he was witty. And he's a friend of mine. Uh, and we used to hang out. He's, I think he's in Palm Springs now. Look at that ah, guy. Ah, there he is. Look at that smile. Fritz, did you know him at all? Or I not? met him once. We had yeah. a thing on Thursday nights because the, the odd thing, people always ask us, do you ever get together with the other news people? Say no. And we, no, we, I've never met most of these people. So they decided <laughs> to have this thing at a bar called Firefly on Ventura Boulevard called Drinking with the Enemy. And one oh. Thursday a month they had it. And I met him one time there. And he said, I, I met him and he was half in the bag. And I said, wow, you're really good. It's nice to have you in town. And he said, F you. You know, he just, he oh. just, he wouldn't allow me to have that moment. That, that was the only time I met him. But he did not have a, his reception at, in LA. And that was partly because of the low CBS ratings here. Yeah. Uh, he just wasn't able to get the traction that he got in Minneapolis. Yeah. I think he yeah. didn't like it. Uh, yeah, he, he, uh, Actually, is clean and sober now, and I have a okay. lot of respect for him. for him. But he's, uh, I, I have an admiration and uh, for uh, local local news because I started there, and you know, Kirsty Wilde was very talented. She went to Stanford, and she taught me a lot. Um, I like to use polysyllabic sometimes, and she said, <laughs> "Craig, make sure the audience knows what you're saying." You know, she, she would she would she help me. Excellent. She was. Great. I loved her to death. She was a lot yeah. of fun. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, there she there is. There she is. There's yeah. Kirsty. How cute. She was a cutie. So in school, you because I, I just need to go back to this because I find it so fascinating. You excelled in both theater and sports. So did that blend invite a very eclectic social life? I mean, were you comfortable all over campus at every lunch table? Were you that guy? No, and I didn't know. I don't know where the theater. I'm not sure. I did. I took a theater class, but I didn't necessarily enjoy it uh, <laughs> because uh, I, I said, "Oh, I want to. I just want to be myself. I'm already funny enough. I don't want to be in a straitjacket playing this character unless it's, you know, myself." But then I learned a little more as I got older about acting. But um, I was. Uh, I think I'm kind of reserved, and I picked my spots. Um, it's kind of like when Fritz was talking about his dad where everyone's yapping and then I'll put in a zinger there when there's, mm. so it's kind of being, I, it was also, um, there was a sports background. I thought Johnny Carson was very cool, but there was also a sports background where my favorite player before I discovered Dr. J was Walt Clyde Frazier and he mm. played for the Knicks and he had a, a book out called a rock and steady, a guide to basketball and cool. So he never showed emotion on the court. So I, and I also was a fan of James Bond. So everything was cool, cool, cool and funny, cool and funny. That was the combination. Mm. There was also a tennis player uh, named Bjorn Borg, the mm -hmm. ice Borg, no emotion. And of course, then you had the brat Johnny McEnroe. So I was a fan of Bjorn Borg. 
so I, I wasn't a class clown, but my, they remember me, the, like my teammates at Montana State, they say I was really, really funny because sometimes we'd be sitting around the airport and I would just start saying things, you know. <laughs> So. so when you get to Sports Center, you you and maybe a couple other guys start to introduce this new kind of young, snarky, slightly irreverent, however friendly the way guys talk to each other while they're watching the game at home. You're right. bringing that. Was there any pushback from uh, management at first that oh this is uh, we don't need to be sports people take sports very seriously you know, you can't you can't be this silly. A great question. So, I mean, they're all great questions. Oh, well, thank that you. That one was, you know. So, I was on <laughs> live at 2 a.m., which is 11 p.m. in Los Angeles, but I was in Connecticut. And Keith and Dan, who were funny, were on at 11 p.m., which is 8 p.m. here. They let me do what I wanted to do. Now, you have to realize something. When at that point, I was way into comedy and I wanted to be funny and I was writing jokes and I was coming up with stuff. Mm -hmm. And there was one, one guy, you know, there were three, like three executives. One guy said, Hey, your tape was really funny. Make sure you're funny. Mm -hmm. Make sure you're funny. Show people you're funny. Cause he wanted me, he knew I was funny. He said, that's your thing. And another guy said, you don't have to Craig, just do the, you know, you don't have to, there's no obligation to be funny, but he was supportive. And there was a third guy who goes, why are you trying to be funny? <laughs> oh, that's wow. the classic manager. That's so classic. Go, what, what, are you, what are you trying to do? So he didn't know. He, he's, he was a knucklehead. But I got to tell you, <laughs> I, I, there were. So what I did was I was trying. I tried to be careful on camera. You have the on camera before you get to the videotape. So the lead in, I would do jokes, but I. Like I would say, I can't remember if it was Barry White or Shakespeare who said, <laughs> can't get enough of you. I would do that, and then I'd go into the highlight. But on the highlights is where I would let my hair down because I just thought I was, I'd be too obnoxious as a blonde pretty boy being funny on camera. So I, I saved it. So like there was a uh, – everyone did the catchphrases. Everyone did the catchphrases. I did Jumanji and all Release, this kind of stuff. Release, rotation, splash. Release, rotation, splash. Oh, precious. Mm -hmm. Oh, pre we, they would always show at the beginning of a highlight. They would show something not related to baseball. There's a two-year-old in their arms of her father, and she's sleeping in the first inning. Oh, <laughs> precious. Or they would show a, a squirrel on the green at the golf course with an acorn right near the hole. Oh, nature. So I would do that. But the ones I like, I'm going to tell you, you guys are going to indulge me. Let me just, thank you for this. Let me just tell Please. you two that I like Please. that were ridiculous. These were not catchphrases. So one of them is, um, um, I forgot one of them. So now you only have to hear one of them. <laughs> Akeem Olajuwon was uh, out for a couple weeks with anemia. He played for the Houston Rockets. And I, I was t during the day, I was calling my brother. We were talking NBA. I said, yeah, Akeem's back tonight. First game back, he, is, he was out with anemia. And my brother goes, oh, his red cell count must be up. And I said, thanks. Give me another word for, okay. And he gives me something. <laughs> so I go on the air. I said, hey, Akeem Olajuwon back after two weeks with anemia. Let's go to the first quarter. We go to the highlights, and there he is. I know. Oh, the red cell count is up. And then we give him the ball again. Oh, hemoglobin. So this was ridiculous. And I was entertaining myself. Uh, I was trying to remember the other. Oh, this is one more. Thank you for listening, guys. You're being very patient. <laughs> this is fantastic. It's a joy. Uh, this is uh, Reggie Miller in the playoffs with Spike Lee. And they're 
he's joying with uh, Spike Lee. Reggie Miller's on the other team. They're playing the Knicks. He's on the Pacers. And so I show the highlight, and I say, and then Reggie Miller hits another three and says, hey, Spike, develop the female characters in your movie, man. <laughs> so I thought... So I was doing really crazy stuff <laughs> back then. No, that's yes. just so much fun. And I, I think that is what kind of changed the landscape. It like raised the bar in terms of what's expected in sports and what people come to enjoy or come to uh Yeah. The thing I always say is, um, and others pointed out to me, these are highlights. The game is over. Yeah. You don't have to take it super seriously. Now the game is over. Let's have some fun. It's not like I'm doing a play-by-play -play and I'm doing a million <laughs> jokes. And you're foretelling the, the outcome of the game. Right. Hey, you, you you mentioned Carson was a hero and was a hero of mine as well. But I I, I never real and I I always knew he's the smoothest guy and the best audience for comics and just a welcoming guy who's. Every night showed his Midwestern roots, but I never appreciated his gift until I started listening. They, they rerun some of the old Carson shows on Sirius XM radio, so you can listen to them in the car. And hit this, you know, the, he had this gorgeous Midwestern voice, this Nebraska voice. Yeah. And he was so smooth and nothing challenging about it. And I realized his power, his, it, it, just his voice set people at ease. It, it, was, it was amazing. Having said that and not requiring a response from you, all I want No, but I, I totally agree with you. He, he, you keep saying smooth. He's so much different than Leno and Letterman. Yeah. Well, that's what it, I wanted it, to ask you. How do you think, what, what do you think about the state of late night now? I don't, I mean, I don't pay attention to it. Once I left, I, I, I moved on. I will, if there's a funny bit, I'll see it on YouTube. Like if there's a funny comedy bit, but a lot of times, because it's five days a week, they're just trying to fill the hour and not all the comedy is up to par. And then the interviews have been done. You know, it's I don't I just don't I don't enjoy it anymore. And it's redundant. So I don't really pay attention. I like all the guys. I know. All and you the don't guys. like politics. And really, since the Trump administration, it's the whole monologue is politics. And so if you're bored by that, you're really bored. Yeah, um, it's pretty it's it's pretty narrow uh my interests as far as what i would want to do besides the podcast and instagram it would be a really it would be a really narrow scripted character that's a white collar character like alec baldwin on 30 rock something like that but um yeah i don't i don't uh i don't pay attention to late night but i i will say i, I was going to tell you some of the stuff i watch yeah. um I so I do like white collar, but I I can also watch other shows. I I really like Bosch. I've always watched oh, Bosch and Bosch Legacy. Wait it's coming. New, yes. Yeah. What, say it. that again. I love it. The new one's coming out in like November, which is too yeah. long to wait. Well, I th it might be. I might be October twentieth. It's Bosch Legacy. He's now a private detective. Yeah. It's season I love one. It. And then season two is coming out soon. We would always but watch it because they always shot around L.A. and you would identify. Exactly. It was great. It's it's exactly it's it's why. Um, you know, it's funny on my podcast, I have, if, if it's a first time guest, I have them do their top five movies of all time. And most of the people are younger than me. So I'm naming, I could give you four of the ones that I, I name and, and it's rare that anybody, you know, I do the, I do, uh, 
I'm a Hitchcock fan, so I say one. I say North by Northwest, even mm -hmm. though they're a bunch. But I say Sunset Boulevard, which is shot obviously shot here, and it's great. And I say, uh, what's uh, Chinatown mm -hmm. with Jack Nicholson? And I say The Graduate. But when you mentioned um, it's shot around L.A. Bosch, I just that's one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons I love it is because yep. it's shot around L.A. You mm -hmm. know, you identify the location. So I those are those are your top five, Craig. I, I named four, and then I rotate my fifth where I say sideways. Sometimes I say Tootsie. Mm, mm. Uh, I don't think sideways is necessarily in a top five, but it me I, I enjoy it so much that I just I let I let uh, the fifth one be one that I rotate. Yeah, uh. and Paul Giamatti's in a new movie that looks very amusing. I saw a trailer for it. it, it where, oh, where he's home at that boarding school with yeah, one kid for it, Christmas. It, 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 I don't think it's out yet, but it looks. Yeah, funny. I can't think of the he's name so of it. Good. But it's it looks good. Fritz, you have a top five movies that you can just I, I, okay. Well, uh, Citizen Kane. That, that's Ooh. how that's how I knew during the pandemic that I was watching Turner Classic movies too much. When Citizen Kane came around for the third time, I knew I was. Watching <laughs> the, and you still watch the so whole thing. I, I love that. I, I love this is an odd choice, but Mississippi Burning with uh, oh, that's a good movie. Gene Hackman, holy cow! That's Gene Hackman. I love Gene Hackman, and that's a really good movie. And I, yeah. I, I uh, you know, in the old days when Carson was doing the Tonight Show. And our studio was right down the hall from it. So if it was somebody you were interested in, you could go stand backstage. And there was no big security problem. This is before <laughs> terrorism. So right. uh, one uh, one time I, I, I heard Gene Hackman was on there and I said, I just have to tell this guy how much this movie meant to me. So I went backstage and he's back there sipping a beer or something. And I said, uh, Mr. Hackman, I just I thought that was such an important movie. It was a great piece of history and it was a true story. And I think, you know, if Rain Man... Uh, you know, uh, Dustin Hoffman won for Rain Man that year. I said, if there wasn't a Rain Man, you would have won the Oscar that year for Best Actor. He goes, eh, I don't know. And he just turned around and wouldn't talk to me anymore. Yeah, I, wow. I, no compliment large enough could have gotten him to pay attention to me while oh, I was Oh, that's funny. Uh, that's yeah, funny. He's a very, very dry dude. Wow. Um, there, I just Before you continue your list, I just wanted to say something else about Gene Hackman. Yeah. There are some movies that are not, I, I go by the IMD, IMDb rating. And, you know, all the Hitchcocks are above 8.0. And then a lot of good movies are above a 7. Uh, but the, some of the movies that are in the low 7s, I can watch over and over again, like In the Line of Fire. Mm -hmm. And The Firm, I love mm -hmm. with Gene Hackman and Tom Cruise. That's mm -hmm. actually rated 6.8, but it should be a 7.1. Wow, so the some of these movies I watch over and over again. You're yeah, IMDb is pretty hard on movies. I feel like yeah. the ratings are kind of low. Uh, for Westerns, I like Tombstone and 310 to Yuma. Those are my two favorite Westerns of all time. Oh, that's time. good. What about, I'm a big Clint fan because he was the mayor of Carmel in the sure. 80s, but what mm -hmm. about uh, Unforgiven? A lot of people oh, like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there was another good Gene Hackman role in that movie, too. Exactly. Unbelievable. Yep. Did you finish your five, Fritz? I thought you only had two or three there. I, I, let me think. Um, I'll, I'll, the you said Mississippi on. Burning. You uh, said... Yeah, uh, 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 Citizen Kane. Right. Uh, and I love because it was such adversity. Uh, did you see Mank on, uh, on, on uh, Netflix? 
I watched it. I don't know if I finished it. It was slow moving, correct? Yeah. Very correct. It was, but we, we know the Mankiewicz's, Mankiewicz brothers, right. Josh and, and Ben, and I just love the history of that family, and I thought it was so interesting how that movie got created, and then he had right. to fight to get a writing credit because Orson Welles wanted credit for everything. He didn't want him to think <laughs> of anybody else, so it was, I just thought... It, and it, there was a book about the brothers yeah, that, that the we brothers read. brothers Mankiewicz or whatever it was. Anyway, yeah. I, I'll think of it here before you're... I can probably name four. I don't. Uh, Let me mine, hear them. Okay, so one, and the, you know, I'm female, so graduate too, just like you said. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I'm gonna have to go with ordinary people. Okay. And this is Spinal Tap. Oh. There you go. And yeah. this is this is gonna be my kind of quirky pick, but I've loved it. I loved it as a child. Went to see it in the in the theater like three or four times. Whatever you can get in at the age of twelve. What's up, Doc? Because okay. it just makes me laugh out loud. Madeline, That's Peter Bogdanovich, correct? Yes, exactly, yeah. Craig. Mm -hmm. Madeline Kahn, genius right. oh, yeah. in the film. And then, let's see, what else? I don't know, Fritz, continue. I can't think of any more. But that's a great way to loosen up people on your show, I'm sure. Well, I do give them. I don't do it on the spot like I just did with you guys. I say before, I say, we're going to do it Thursday. I need your top five. So they have days to think uh, about it. They have days to think about it. It's such an important uh, list because it, it reflects who you are. In yeah, a, in a lot and, of and I tell people you can change it. I know it's hard. You can change it. Uh, you know, thirty seconds after you've said five, you can change it because mm -hmm. they don't, they can't do it. And then, and then I, of course, a lot of them will say, "I have some honorable mentions." You know, and then <laughs> okay. Then they'll name three or four. Listen, movies. you've been in some uh, films that require mentioning at this point, if you don't mind. You uh, were in Pauly Shore is dead. I just yeah, like I don't the know. What, I don't know that. what that was. I think I had. I just agreed to. He said I need a clip of you. Mm. And I oh. use it. And I said, go ahead. That's how Fritz winds <laughs> up in movies too. That's how I yeah. got. How about, He's in a school. screen in the background. You know. I had yeah. to be in a Steven Seagal movie called Glitter Man that I've never seen. But they just wanted to borrow one of my weather forecasts from Channel Four. I said, yeah, sure. Exactly. So I got paid for it. And then I found out who he was, and I, and I was so embarrassed to be in the movie. But anyway, <laughs> the old school, which was hysterical. That shit. was uh, my favorite one. That was yeah. the bathroom scene. And there was another scene that was uh, that they cut out, but the director liked it, so he put it on the DVD outtakes. Oh, there you but, go. Yeah, that was uh, that was my favorite. Bench warmers. That was Adam Sandler, right? Yeah, that was uh, he produced it. And it was David Spade. Yeah, that was Jeez. that was silly, but uh, it's so weird how young people, some of the young people, know me from that. It's so funny. Mm -hmm. What do people say to you? Can you get? Can you guess what it, when you get that that eye contact where you understand that they recognize you? Can you guess based on their age what they're going to say when they approach? Yeah, I mean, I think the people under forty would have to just know bench warmers are old school. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what I someone said to me. I said, you know, he was he was a fan and he was forty years old. That was two years ago, so now he's forty two. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's nice. I, I feel like a little bit like uh, the athlete who retires and then he gets the free drinks at the, all the bars. <laughs> and he's just, I just kind of coast. Is there anything know? that would lure you back into television? Like, uh, Yeah, I, if it was really creative. You know, I didn't, like Letterman I didn't, on Netflix and the thing, yeah, you know, yeah. this, this person needs no introduction. There's, it's just looser and yeah. I... I, I I'm not really motivated. I'm only motivated by scripted, and um, but it's pretty narrow. The other thing I'll say, and I'll say it in a tactful way, uh, but some of my, 
some of my former agents aren't the biggest fans of mine in Hollywood. <laughs> so because I walked away and I parted mm. ways with them. But I yeah, there, there's it's pretty I'd just say it's pretty narrow what I would do. I'll, I'll leave it at that. So when you're putting together your podcast, is it a team? What's the team look like? Who do you need in order to make it look beautiful? Your set is very dynamic. You know, I work with uh, this uh, company, Cloud 10. My friend Sim Sarna owns it. Mm. And he has an editor for me. And we just do it. I just do it here in the den split screen. And I have on mostly my friends uh, from Family Guy uh, and... Uh, and some, I do have a lot of Minnesota friends on. So I have Alex, Alex uh, A. Rod, Alexander, Alex Rodriguez, the baseball player, is now a minority owner of the Timberwolves. And I follow the Timberwolves. So he's been on, and I had the head coach on, Chris Finch. And I have some sportscasters from Minnesota. So I kind of do it just for fun. The podcast is kind of just for fun. And then uh, the Instagram is. Uh, my my uh, longtime girlfriend, who I live with, is Princess Cherry, and she's a costume designer. So I get a lot of custom-made blazers. So I go out to eat. I take pictures of my clothes, and oh. I, I just pretend I'm a dandy. It's just all <laughs> kind of a joke. Um, one other thing, I want to get your response to this because I get a kick out of it. Mm -hmm. So uh, Princess Cherry is a costume designer, and she mm -hmm. does some commercials and stuff. But she also does Rod Stewart and his band. Wow. Is that is that do anything for you guys? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Yes. Are you kidding? Come Absolutely. On. Yeah. He's an icon. And he's and really, I I have so much respect for him because he has mastered several genres of music. I mean, the last couple have been, have been like uh, American uh, uh, standards. standards. Yeah. And his, yeah, he and did his, standards. And his jackets are on point. Yeah, you, have to, you have to give him that. We go, we Does go she design his to tour Hollywood clothes Bowl. and all that kind of stuff? Say that again. Does she design his tour clothes and his whole yeah. deal? Yeah, that's wow, what that's what she does. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, no, yeah. He, he's a showman. He he can do it. Does anything. she have to go on 70, the road with him? Seventy-eight years old. Wow. Yeah, he might wrap it up pretty soon. We don't know. Wow. She go on the road with him and everything. She's his once in a while. Person? She'll have to get on his plane and go to Vegas, or she had to go up to Seattle because there were some new clothes. But mostly. She, there's another person that goes on the a wardrobe person on the road, but she does the designing here in LA. Wow. Yeah, no, that's right. And, and? A, a couple years ago, um, she had to go up to where he lives. She, she has to go up there a lot to deliver clothes or show him a swatch, some fabric. And she said to the guard at the gate, we don't want to give away where it is, somewhere in Southern California. She said, uh, Sarad. I'm going to see Sarad. And it was a new a new gate, uh, a guard at the gate. And he, he called and they said, uh, excuse me, who are you? They're not expecting you. Who are you? And the guard, the new guard thought it was A-Rod because A-Rod was living there. That's when he was with J-Lo. Oh. And, and the guard thought she said A-Rod. And, and the guard thought my girl was like a stalker, some crazy fan. So then the uh, the other veteran guard said, "Oh no, no, she's fine. She's going to see Rod Stewart. Let her go." Wow! Wow! That is a that's that, cool. That pop the population. Up. We call that, that a mix up. That's just yeah. It's a, a wacky screw up. So, but it sounds like that neighborhood is stocked. Like that pond is stocked with celeb. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
So that's exciting. All right. Anything else we should know about you to Your share podcast, with the Do you have a website that you uh, maintain? No, I just have the Instagram and it's on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And uh, What's your Instagram the, handle? Mr. Craig Kilborn. Okay. I used to do Sir Craig Kilborn. Then I changed it to Mr. <laughs> I like Sir, but that's okay. Um, and uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. I'm trying to stay healthy. I was going to ask you, Fritz, and it's I, I respect you no matter what. Do you <laughs> do you still drink a little bit? Or do I don't drink at all. I've been sober for forty years. I'm Congratulations. a clean and sober person. The world is a better place because I don't drink. Believe me. That's true. It's uh, you feel better, and uh, I find myself occasionally talking about it, but not participating that much. I have a little red wine once in a while. I do like the shape of martini glasses, <laughs> but. Um, I've cut way down, and I feel much better. Well, you look fantastic. If you, you see Kirsty and Paul, would you please give them both a big hug for me? It oh, was yeah. Fun to oh, yeah. They're, they're the that best. Memory. They're... Yeah. All Love right. Them. I'm going to read your closing credits if you're kind enough to indulge me. Thank you so much for joining us. We would love to continue this conversation with you on Instagram and Twitter, where we are at MediaPathPod, and on Facebook, where our show page is MediaPathPodcast, and our Facebook group is MediaPath with Fritz and Weezy Podcast Community. You can find full video podcast episodes loaded with bonus visual content on our YouTube channel, MediaPath Podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. You can write to us at mediapathpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy this show, give us a nice rating in Apple Podcasts and talk about us on social media and at brunch with community leaders. You can sign up for our spicy newsletter at mediapathpodcast.com. We want to thank our wonderful guest, Lord Kilby, Craig Kilborn. Our team includes producer Dina Friedman, John Maddox, Bill Filipiak, Thomas Hubble, Mason Brown, Lori DeWall, Garrett Arch, Chris Baldwin, Jordan Reyes, and you. Our theme music is by me and John Maddox. I am Louise Planker here with Fritz Coleman. Be well and wise, and we will see you along the media path. Now, the reason Fritz that I said all the things very slowly is on, on uh, YouTube. You're driving, go home and, and turn this on. I've been putting their pictures up oh, on our, our, our team here.